This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, welcome, 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 welcome back to Fans on the Run. That's not just to the audience, that's to my guest as well. Welcoming back to the show. We have a great guest, and I know it's going to be a great guest, because I've talked to him before. But you don't know that. that. That's something we in the business of show like to call magic. That's right. I, I just made a total ass of myself, but, you know, who cares? We're having fun. It's right. We can tell them what happened. Mystery guest, how was your day, or how was your day going so far? Well, not too bad. I woke up. That, that's always a good start. That's, yeah, some, a comb across my head. No. Um, no, it's going, it's going great. Um, it's great to talk to you um, for the first time again. For the first time again. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll write my, or I'll read. God, I'm illiterate. Uh, I'll read my introduction spiel. Well, did you make some notes this time, or are you just going to read me Artie's questions? <laughs> <laughs> I, I made notes this time. Oh, good, good. Don't worry. Even Artie's questions were kind of universal Fab Four questions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, okay. He is the Emmy Award-winning co-founder, and I know you guys won it for sound, but you still won a damn Emmy, uh, co-founder of the Fab Four, which was named the best Beatles show in the world by the LA Times. That's not a small feat. He's the man, the myth, the legend, Ron McNeil. Welcome back-ish to Fans on the Run. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. It's great to be back. It's funny, because you sounded like the other guy there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the guy you're pretending. Mm -hmm. I try sometimes. It yeah. depends. I, I, need mon- I need money first. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had a Fab Four moment with the, or a moment with the Fab Four, which is kind of like you're bigger than Jesus bit? Uh, well, when we auditioned for Robert Zemeckis, the individual auditions were the uh, bigger than Jesus speech I had to do, you know. Really? I'm not saying, yeah, well, better, greater, comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person. A God is a thing, or whatever it is, you know. I just said what I said, and it was wrong. I was taken wrong, and now it's now it's all this. So we had to do that. Well, the Lennons had to do that. So <laughs> that was the last time I did that. You just got to hear in real time uh, how a question can sound good in my head, but not make any sense coming out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, it worked. Yeah. Well, it it worked. So I want to jump right back to the beginning. When did you first discover the Beatles? Um, I was with Christopher Columbus discovering the Beatles when he first came to America. No, uh, turn left at Greenland. Ba-da-ts. No, it's just uh, the same way most of us uh, of, of my age, you know, my older sister, I was an original Beatles fan, but my older sisters were, and I borrowed uh, their records and never gave them back. So uh, that's how I got An was indefinite introduced. loan. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, they wouldn't want them back now. They're all scratched up, but along with their monkey records and all those, the monkeys records and stuff like that, so. Actually, that that just reminded me, brought up another band. What other music are you listening to these days that isn't the Beatles? Well, you know, all the stuff from the 60s, obviously, the monkeys, the stuff I grew up with, um, you know, the Stones and the Who and and all that stuff, Credence, and then stuff from the 80s that I... (laughs) That's more of my generations, Duran Duran and Tears for Fears and stuff like that. But there's a couple of bands out 
that are out there right Tears now. Tears for Fears are awesome, by the Aren't way. Aren't they great? Yeah. yeah. They're just some great songs. Oh, and That uh, album, Songs from the Big Chair. Oh, yeah, Fantastic. there's like seven hit songs on it. It's just amazing. <laughs> and um, there's a couple of groups I actually listen to these days. I was turned on to this all-girl group from Utah called The Aces. And they're really, I mean, they're really, really good. I feel like I've um, heard, the, heard of them before. Yeah, they've had a couple of hits. Um, just great. I mean, you know, just besides the novelty of it, they're good songwriters, good vocalists, and uh, I really like their stuff. Very poppy, very catchy. Almost kind of like an 80s, um, I want to say like uh, if, if, if Prince was an all-girl band, like that kind of sound, to mm-hmm. me anyway, I mean... They're a little more modern sounding than that, too, but they're very, very good. And I think there's some good music going around. You just have to kind of hunt for it, you know. I'm about to pull out a really obscure reference for most of our listeners. Then you just described an all-girl band, but if it was Prince, didn't that kind of exist? What what were they called? Apollonia 6? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Apollonia was one of his uh, protégés and some of the other other girls that he kind of half produced. Well, in the Bangles, of course, he gave them a song. Oh, yeah and stuff like that but uh, this is more of a current group I mean, this, these girls have been together since junior high school writing songs and now they're like in their 20s oh wow and uh, they're really really good you should check them out I, I will because I'm always on the hunt for new music these days and especially music that was recorded after 1970 because I'm trying to dig myself out of this rut where it's 1969 and afterwards you know, just don't listen to it. Yeah, just forget it, huh? No, yeah. no, there's lots of, obviously, lots of great bands over the years. We well, like Oasis, don't you? Or no? No comment. No comment. All I, right. I have a friend who really likes Oasis. And for fun, he always likes to chastise me for liking the Beatles instead of Oasis. <laughs> well, I've had people tell me, you know, kids tell me they turned on to the Beatles because of Oasis. Now there's a switch for you. There, that is a definite switch. Now, now, nowadays, I feel like it's almost the opposite. People would be turned on to Oasis, oh, to Oasis because of the Beatles. Again, I'm stumbling over my own words here because I'm just so excited. It's all right, no worries. To be Calm talking down, with the breathe, man, the myth, the legend. Breathe in, breathe out. There you go. You'll be all right. You'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> it's only me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was. It's only me. That sounds like a John Lennon quote, but it I don't think it is. <laughs> it is, actually. Is it? They said, yeah. Every once in a while when they get tense, John would, you know, pull his glasses down and say, look to Paul and say, it's only me. You know, don't worry about it. So, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't yeah. there with any of the Beatles. Semi-unrelated question. While I was doing my uh, thorough research on the Fab Four, I found a picture of you guys with Mickey Dolan's dressed as it looks like members of uh, what what's the name of the band oh paul revere and the raiders paul revere and the raiders yeah could you provide some context please oh we were all just going to a costume party it's nothing don't worry about it no uh we actually did a show with with mickey dolan's and with uh mark Lindsay, who's the singer of paul revere and the raiders yeah oh that okay that that makes a lot more sense now i don't think i recognized mark Lindsay. (laughs) yeah he was in the picture too and so, um, you know, the two of them, the two of those guys wanted to do a show together for a long time. So they hired us on. So we did, did uh, Beatles, Monkeys and Raiders. It was, it was a really great show. And uh, 
I've always been a huge Monkees fan, not so much a Paul Revere and the Raiders fan. And then when I had to learn all those songs, I thought, wow, these guys are actually really, really good. They were one of the first groups. Uh, they were the first group to record uh, Louie Louie. And then they really? also... Really? Before also record- the Kingsmen? Yeah, well, I think it was within the same week. Now, you're going to have to watch some kind of documentary or something about how who recorded it first, but the rumor goes around that they recorded it in the same studio um, the same within the same week, supposedly. Like, the engineer told the Raiders, hey, these guys have just recorded it, you ought to record it, because both of the bands were doing this song live three times a night because the kids loved the, the song so much that they could dance to it. And so the, you guys should put it on record. So uh, that's how the story goes. Maybe eventually we'll get a full story of how it went down if anybody actually remembers. But uh, they also recorded um, Step in Stone. I'm not your Step in Stone first. I, I do really like their cover. Uh, or I, I think it was even well, the, the original. The Monkees will be a cover. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Their version predates the Monkees. It does. Yeah, well, Boyce and Hart were giving their songs around to all different bands and stuff at that time, too. But, uh, yeah, basically, the Monkees, um, they just got Paul Revere's version and just said, here, just do it like this, because this is a hit. You know, Mark's version was really scratchy. He had a real scratchy vocal, like almost a real angry thing, which I think Mickey was trying to copy. But uh, So we got to that show, and we started learning all these songs. And then um, I realized that, you know, Mickey... You know, Mickey Dolenz is like one of the biggest stars of the 60s, so I didn't really have to cater to him too much. So what we tried to do was we got in the Paul Revere and the Raiders suits so that Mickey would be saying, hey, what's the deal here, Mark? You know, I thought we were going to play some monkeys. How come you got the Beatles dressed as the Raiders here? I mean, you know, don't I get equal time? You know, that kind of thing. So, And it was kind of a cool thing. I had Mark at some point of the show come and put the little Raider hats, you know, the tri-corner hats on all of us to say there. Now they look more like the Raiders, you know, that kind of thing. Do you still have those hats? Oh, yeah, I still do. I I would never throw it away. (laughs) I was given a Raider hat by Mark Lindsay. I'm definitely not throwing it away. And then I had Mickey, while he was putting the hats on all of us, I had Mickey come out in a uh, Oakland Raiders hat. And then Mark Mark says to Mickey, wrong Raiders, dude. But So anyway, yeah. That That was a long way to go for a joke in the show, but it worked. I mean, I, I I really appreciate the effort there. Well, you know, you asked me to write a show, and I just, I go for it. That's why the Fab Four are the best in the business. All right, thanks a lot. Good night. Yeah, that's all the time we have for today. No. <laughs> um, Checks in the mail. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask, because you brought up the Monkees, uh, what is your favorite Monkees song? Mm. Side question, what's your favorite Monkees album? Mm. <laughs> well, my favorite Monkees song is the Porpoise song. Uh, you, I, I, was, I was thinking you were going to say something earlier, and I was going to say, it's, it's slightly obscure, but mine's, mine's the Porpoise song. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Well, there you go. Match. Ding, ding, ding. Um, Jinx. And then uh, my favorite album is Pisces Aquarius. I would say head, but there's not enough material on it. It's just like more like an EP, really. Yeah. There's like six songs on it. A plastic EP, if you will. Plastic EP! From Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. Ron, I've got you here in the show now. I want to know how to get Artie to play the bass guitar left-handed. Anyway. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) I've done about... 
five or six shows with him. And it, it feels like I'm I'm talking to him. Oh. <laughs> Again. Well, that's flattering. Well, I just, did a sh- I just did a show with him, so I, he's kind of fresh on my mind. And then he just did a show with George Trillinger, so. I, I saw know. that one, too. Yeah. He opened up with a rendition of Hey Bananas, We Think You're Groovy. Yeah. He's a funny character. The funny thing is with the, those monkey answers, I think we're matching completely here. Well, Pisces Aquarius is just what an amazing LP. There's like not a bad song on it. I know a couple people skip a couple of songs, but I don't. I just love the whole thing it, and the way it was it's put together. got the Monkees' influence of headquarters, but they went back to the things that worked with the Don Kirshner stuff. Yeah, so, the more produced stuff. Yeah, Pleasant Valley Sunday. But they and, used that in their yeah. favor. And then it got a little psychedelic, but not too psychedelic. Well, depending on what you, what you call psychedelic. But uh, yeah, it's just an all amazing songs songwriters you know uh harry nielsen's got a song on there and and um there's just some great stuff on there what do you think about the head movie oh i love it i love it i saw the movie uh must have been an early teen and they showed it on television at one o'clock in the morning on a saturday night as you do friday or saturday night yeah and I asked my older sister to stay up with me, and she says, uh, she said she would, and then it got to be about midnight. She said, I'm tired. I'm just going to go to bed. And so I watched it alone. And, you know, it's a weird film. It's and a I think great they, weird film. Yeah, it is a great film. But and I don't know if they cut any off of TV or not, but, you know, this is in the middle of the 70s, late 70s or something. I don't remember, but what a great film. I, I don't think there could be any better accompaniment to the Porpoise song than, you know, Mickey Dolan's jumping off the bridge into yeah, the... Yeah, to commit suicide on, on the first scene of the film. That's all that we're going to give really away. Into psychedelic water. Yes. If you've never seen... If you're a Monkees fan... Well, if you're a fan of the 60s or you're a fan of good music or good films, you got to see Head, the Monkees Head. Just, it won't make any sense to you, but it's it's really, really good That's film. That's why it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more thing before we go back to the Beatles, Paul Revere and the Raiders have a distinction of being one of the only pop groups from the 60s to appear on the Batman show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that was that was oh, a fun, yeah. fun, uh, fun scene. They were performing a song that the Penguin is running for mayor or something. Yeah. I have a yeah. very loose knowledge or a very loose grasp on the Batman show. Yeah, well, I used to watch that all the time. Batman was another one of my favorite things. Um, I could always relate to Robin because he kind of looked like me. He was like the shorter of the two. And he had, you know, like kind of that straight haircut, that kind of little boy's haircut. Yeah. And then he always had an R and for Robin, but I always thought it was like an R for Ron. So I mm-hmm. thought that was I always thought that was really cool. But Spe- yeah, I he's saw speaking one- to you through the TV. He he might be. And uh it's funny when I saw that episode, I always like kind of hated those guys. I'm like, well, they're p- playing for the Penguin. They're not playing for the good guys. You know Yeah, what but mean? they also played kicks. Then, not, not on the show, but in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, how can you true. hate them? Yeah, that's true. They should have done that. Should have played kicks at the end of the episode. That would have been amazing. They didn't actually play any Paul Revere and the Raiders songs. No, no, they didn't. There probably some kind of copyright issue or something, but that was a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the first Beatle album or Beatle record that you remember owning? Um, well, <laughs> you want to call owning, borrowing my sister's borrowing records? Borrowing an indefinite loan. Yeah, yeah. Introducing the Beatles and Meet the Beatles. 
so you, you started from the beginning. Yeah, that was a good place to start, right? Mm-hmm. So um, was it a little confusing have or having both of those albums? Because there's actually now that I say that out loud, I realize I was going to say there's a bit of overlap there, but there really only isn't. Started, only I saw her standing there, right? Yeah, I think I saw her standing there. Is the only a crossover. But they were both trying to be the first Beatles album, right? Except one actually was, and the other wasn't. And then you had Capital saying, see, look, this is the second Beatles album, the Beatles' second album, <laughs> just trying to shove VJ out of the picture completely. Oh, yeah, and it was a mess. You know, and growing up in the 70s and 80s, it was like we didn't really hear about the British albums until the CDs, really. I mean, we yeah. had imports and stuff, and we started to know some things like, oh, Please Please Me was an album? Oh, I see, that's introducing the Beatles. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was trying to get it all figured out, and then... You know, between Beatles 65 and Beatles 6, and, you know, like, you didn't know what was going on. Controversial opinion. I really like Beatles 65. I don't really like Beatles 6 hmm. a- as American albums. Well, let's see. You it, have it's, it's uh, I really Feel Fine t- and She's a Woman on Beatles 65, but you don't on the others, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I can see that. The, those Capitol albums are really hit and miss for me. You know, as someone yeah, that, who grew up with those, the British catalog, it, it seems really odd. That being said, I I like the Beatles' second album more than I like most of the early British ones. Hmm. It's just a great rock and roll record. Yeah, that it is. It's got a lot of covers on it. They added all that reverb. Uh, I know a lot of people really don't like that second album, but uh, yeah, they were they were interesting for sure. I know Brian Wilson... Uh, likes the American Rubber Soul because that's the one he heard. Mm-hmm. So that's the one I'm used to too. So now, when you're listening to the Beatles, I want to start asking more people this question: Are are you a mono guy or a stereo guy? <laughs> well, mono for listening, stereo for learning. That that's that's the right answer. Because well, as a yeah, musician, yeah, yeah. And back then we didn't have you know any of these, you know, mogs or multi-tracks or anything like that. We're just trying to, like, lend our ear to hear anything. It's like, do you hear that thing in the background on the left channel? You're like, yeah, is that an organ or what is that? You know, so it was difficult to try to pick everything out. Even now with the multi-tracks, like, available, there's still stuff that you, you have to learn by ear. Like, the rhythm guitar on on I Want to Hold Your Hand, I've always found really fascinating. Because it, yeah. it just sounds so beautifully clunky. Yeah, and it's got a strange tone. Mm-hmm. You can hear a little bit of the tone on uh, some of the outtakes that were on Anthology or the Anthology video. I'm not, sh- that, not on the CDs, but yeah. uh, you hear John like chunking away at the background. You're like, or oh, bootlegs if you're cool sound. kids yeah. like us. Yeah, exactly, bootlegs. So, um, yeah, it's a strange tone, strange feel to it. Then there's like those overdubs with the, you know, doo 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 doo. Yeah. Which are just, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, it's an organ, it's this, it's that. And just, if you listen to it, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but it sounds like one of the guys playing Paul's bass upside down to me. That's what it sounds like to me. Really? But, yep. Mm-hmm. I'll have to give that another listen. Yeah, if you listen to the isolated tracks, well, there would be 5.1 tracks to listen to on that. But on the overdub track, you hear it, and it's like, it's the high octave, but then on one of them, he hits the low octave. Da-da-da-da-da-ball. And you're like, what? 
So, yeah, all those secret little tricks that we keep listening to and listening to and see if we can eventually become the Beatles, which we'll never be, of course. But uh, I've spent more time listening to the German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand, Come Give Me a Dine a Hand, because uh, the way it was mixed, there's all the vocals in one channel, all the backing track in the other, and I would listen with headphones and just take the vocal one off. Yeah, that's right. Yep, we did a lot of that. What was the hardest Beatles song to the, to nail on stage? That That's not like a weird one, like Tomorrow Never Knows, like one from the early catalog. Well, I think most of the problem, if you're trying to be a Beatles band, which I know somebody around here who does that, um, it, the, the main thing for me is vocals. And the vocals are the hardest thing. Now I was lucky to run into Artie. So there's half your vocals right now, there. Now, <laughs> who's who's he? Explain to the folks at home who Artie, this Artie is. Artie Seraf. Uh, you may Never have heard, heard of him. him. Yeah. Well, he plays Paul in our group, in our, our little band called the Fab Four. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. I think I've talked to him before. Yeah. yeah Link and, in the description. Uh, Go watch that episode, too. Oh, please do. Yeah, that was fun with uh, Mark from uh, 64. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Artie carries, you know, all the Paul stuff real well, especially his tone. And I think when the two of us sing together, it sounds good. You know what I mean? Like we have a good blend as John and Paul. And so the vocals are really the hardest thing when you talk about difficulty. Uh, there's range. Sometimes you have to sing falsetto, but the falsetto has to be loud. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's grittiness when John sings. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Um, and little things like that. But musically... Pretty much if you buy the right guitar, plug it into the right amplifier, turn it up, it's pretty dang close already. But it's those little nuanced things that, you know, the personalities of the four guys that you can't, it's, it, I'm not going to say you can't, but it's more difficult to, to emulate that than it is uh, if you grab a Rick and start playing, uh, start standing there on a Rick plugged into a Vox, it's pretty dang close, you know? I, I will so. admit, the first time I ever laid my hands on one of them, Rickenbacker 325s, the first thing I played was that C7 shape on the fifth fret and just, yep. you know, started banging out. I saw her standing there. Yep. That's, you, and that. You're legally obligated to do that. <laughs> well, it's funny. When I first got into business, I had another Rick. I had a different, um, a different model. I don't even know what it was. A three something. 330? But it, I'm not sure. It had a. It looked like John's Rick, except it had like the little button, kind of pickups. I'm not a guitar guy. Okay. Artie's a guitar guy. Yeah. And uh, it had an R tailpiece. And so was was I it still like the small one? Yeah, it was still three quarter. Okay, I think that's the three twenty. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I threw a trapeze, not a trapeze, but the the horseshoe. Yeah. On it. And just to make it look, I mean, this is my first guitar. I didn't have any money. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, so, and I used to play around that. And I used to plug that into a little Fender practice amp. Because, again, that's all I had. Mm -hmm. We started, you know, in these clubs. And that's all the equipment I ever had. We went on, uh, I did an away gig one time. I think it was in Canada, actually. And I plugged that Rick into a Vox AC30 for the first time. And like you said cranked up that I saw her standing there chord and I was just blown away like a hair stood up on my arms and I have pretty hairy arms 
It was amazing. You and heard I said, it here first. Ron has like, hairy arms. <laughs> hairy arms. Um, it was uh, it was amazing. And yeah, and then I realized, oh, this is why you have to have the right guitars. This is why you have to, you know, do it this way. So uh, that helped, uh, you know, help me to, to understand their, their sound a lot. Uh, I want to ask you a question. As a musician, do you ever feel, like, constricted by how, or kind of for your job, having to play those Beatle guitars? Because... I mean, the Rickenbackers, they're, they're nice. The necks aren't super comfortable to play. Do you ever feel constricted by having to play those? No, no, not at all. Because uh, like, like I said, that's how you get the sound. That's how you get the feel of it. So you kind of have to. Yeah. And um, it's so cool when it does sound like it that, you know, there's really no other way to do it. As long as you're not asking me to play, you know, the solos for the end or something on a Rickenbacker or something, then it would be constricting. But no, I love them, and I love playing. I love the uh, Epiphone. The Epiphone's so nice. What a nice guitar. My my buddy actually has an Epiphone Casino, and I I drool every time I'm at his house and I see it there, and I'm thinking it could be it, it'd be so easy to just club him over the head, and just walk <laughs> out with the guitar. Or you could just walk out with the guitar. I don't think you have to club them over the head. Yeah. Just tell them, look, look, look over there, you know? Yeah. Hey, it's Paul McCartney, and then just run the other way. See, he could do that to me, but I couldn't do that to him, because I'm not oh. as sharp as him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm easily distractible. Is this your Oasis fan? Yes. It, yeah, it's the same hey, fan. I have, the I have three look. friends, <laughs> and me he and is two, two, two of them. <laughs> He's two of them. All right. There you go. So I want to go back. I've already gone back to the origins of you as a Beatle fan. I want to go to the origins of the Fab Four. How did that start? Well, how much time you got? How much long, time will it take? <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, fuck, I just embarrassed myself. I forgot how the Star Wars theme went. <laughs> So it was just the first note. That's all right. Well, you can name that tune in one note. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was didn't at even a do Beatles... it in the right key. Well, that's all right. We'll be forgiving. You can pitch it later. Yeah. Actually, just make it sound like I, a trumpet. Later. I hold all the power in my hands. Or I could just play the actual theme. Yeah. Over just... the background while we're talking. Yeah. For, um, for dramatic I was at a Beatles convention <laughs> here in Los Angeles, Beatlefest. We love Beatlefest. Fe fest for fans, they call it now. But um, And every year they have a satellite contest. Shout out to Mark Lapidos. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he brought so many Beatles fans together and lots of relationships were made there. And, um, you know, just all Beatles fans were always at those things. So here in L.A. is a pretty big thing. And of course, he had have he'd have his uh, sound alike contest, and I saw Artie with a group up there. Again, they weren't they weren't dressed as the Beatles or anything like that. It was just his buddies from school, and he came out and he sang "Coming Up." Same difference, except this time the hair stood up on the back of my neck, which I don't have as many hairs on the back of my neck, but they still stood straight up. That that I think that's even more of an incredible feat. Yeah, yeah, I like pulled the collar. The collar was like sticking straight up, but. It was amazing, and a couple of years later, we, I got in touch with him and said, uh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this thing, and we got together and formed a group from there. Funny thing about that, the the same contest, I think it was the year after? No, it had to be before that. 
Anyways, I won that same contest singing Imagine by myself. Really? So it was, we're both Beetlefest Sound Alike contest winners joining the same band. So we got a good all-star lineup, I guess, to start with. And now I'm speaking as someone who has not won a Beetlefest Sound Alike uh, Well, get with it. I, I know, I need to step up my game. I won the trivia there, so that's that's not... There's a start. That's not nothing. Yeah. Um. I, I, I completely forgot what the question was. Are we talking about starting the group? Oh, yeah. Fans on the Run, the most professional Beatle podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you, you really do, especially these days, have quite the all-star lineup not not the all-star band but the all-star lineup mm-hmm. of beetle tributes there's you Artie, uh gavin because gavin is just the spitting image of george who's gavin i i don't know <laughs> some some guy yeah. yeah he's pretty great and then, of course, we upped our game with Adam, too. Yeah. So, like, you know, we have a lot of good players. It's like being on the Lakers, you know. We have some well, people you can call off the bench that are pretty gar- pretty darn good, too, you know. I- I've noticed, especially when Adam joined, how much Beatle groups really do kind of trade around members sometimes. It's I think you, when I was talking to you last, you described it like baseball cards. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll trade you uh, our George for your John... Or a Ringo for your Paul. Exactly. I got a Ringo and a George for your Paul. I don't know. You're going to have to throw in your George Martin. Yeah. But, yeah, it is a little bit like that. Um, how how does it feel I've, to be both the Fab Fours, John and George Martin? Or, <laughs> or wait. More like, more like the Brian Epstein. Yeah. But uh, the guy who takes all the money. Yeah. Now, no, that, that's mean, not a bad job. No, not at all. Um... You know, I'd been looking to retire for a long time. It's just, uh, it's a long story. But yeah. I mean, I feel like I could still do it, but it's it's not nothing like that. It was just, I was getting really tired of the road. And uh, it was starting to play a little bit, um, not, on, not only on my head, but on my physical health a little bit. It was like, eh, do I really want to be, I mean, it's like a, I'm not an old guy, but I'm not a young guy. It's kind of a, it's kind of a young guy's thing. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and then. We could never really find anyone. And when someone had said that Adam could do it, I'm like, we're done. I'm done. I'm totally done. I welcomed him into the group, gave him a big hug and say, and I actually told him this. This is a Fab Four exclusive. You heard we it sat here down first. At dinner, sat down at dinner and I raised a glass and I said, the best Beatles group in the world just got better. Really? And so uh, that was really cool. I, I will admit, when I heard he had left the other group, which shall re- remain nameless, <laughs> uh, bootleg Beatles, whatever, uh, I, I thought to myself, you know, boy, he's a free agent now, or whatever the equivalent is in the Beatle world. It'd be really cool if he did something with those Fab Four guys. Mm-hmm. And then he did. Yeah. Well, we paid him a lot of money. Yeah. No, he's a really super cool guy, too, and he was just, you know, looking to make a change and, and do some things, and uh, we were happy, we were flattered that he even, uh, you know, would think about, uh, you know, leaving England and, and trying to come over here and, and perform with the guys, and uh, it, he's just, it's it's hard to explain, but just, some people are a good fit, and Adam is just, uh, his personality is just so wonderful, he's, he's just a super nice guy, and super funny, and super talented, oh my god, just, he's so talented. 
and uh, it's just great to have somebody like that in your group. And it's also it feels good to kind of, you know, uh, have someone take over the reins like that. Who's you don't feel like, uh, oh, is he going to be able to do it? You know, or you know, um, so it, it's 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 really cool, and, and everybody loves him. And, and uh, obviously, it's great to have a good lineup or two. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you do have, I've noticed watching live videos of you guys, it's like, that's not Artie. Who's Hmm. that guy? (laughs) Yeah, we have a couple other guys. Um, Neil Candelora plays uh, Paul with us. I know of him because he does this YouTube channel where he does these instrumental Beatle covers with this other guy. And they're fantastic. Yeah, the Abley House. House. Yeah, the Abley House stuff. Yeah, those guys are talented. The Chicago area guys. Um... And they, uh, yeah, they put that stuff together. Um, Brendan on drums and, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of his name right now? Um, on guitar, he's going to hate me. You can dub in his name like, yeah. with your voice. With like a text-to-speech <laughs> Macintosh. Yeah, exactly. Like the 1980s. Or, or it's, like, it's like a girl or like a British guy or something <laughs> with his voice. Yeah. Bob. And um, Now I know the, for yeah, a fact a it's not job. Bob. Yeah, all those guys are, are, are great players, too. And we use them as, as backup guys, too, just in case, you know. And uh, we, yeah, it's everybody, it's kind of a weird love-hate relationship that everybody has with each other. The guys in Rain, the guys in, you know, 64 and all the other things. Because everybody knows at some point you're going to get sick. You're going to get, you know, dumped at the airport. Um, something's going to happen. You're going to have a family situation. And somebody with a wig or two and costumes who knows the songs has to come in and do your part. And you can't, you know, you can't hate everybody to the point where you can't use them. Everyone's got to be friendly to each other or we're just not going to be able to continue. So, um, you know, we, we have, we all have a, a friendly relationship. All of us do. And every once in a while, those relationships become permanent, you know, which is cool. Um, you brought up costumes and th- th- it's a simple question. How many costumes uh, during a, an average Fab Four show do you go through? Oh, I thought you were going to say, do we have total? Because our office, well, that's, our Fab that's Four good, headquarters... That was going to be the follow-up question. <laughs> well, I'll do it in reverse order. The ones in the Fab Four headquarters take up an entire room. We have a whole room full of costumes. Uh, you know, yellow submarine and... and yellow uh, submarine? Suits. Yeah, oh, yeah. We have yellow submarine costumes. We have... Um, how, how does that work? It was animated. Yeah, exactly. We had them designed like that to look like those costumes so. oh wow and uh budokan and of course all the regular ones but during a regular fab four show it's like three or four depending on what you know how much time we have or how long the show is but uh the, the standard stuff but uh, i was gonna say those guys could for yellow submarine do like some sort of animated thing like the gorillas like do motion capture speaking of <laughs> You mentioned this Robert Zemeckis fella earlier. So I I remember hearing back in the day, there's going to be a 3D remake of Yellow Submarine. And then, I mean, we know now it didn't come out, but I want to, I'm always interested to hear more about that project. What could you tell us about the Yellow Submarine that you are not bound by an NDA? Uh, yeah, without getting sued, yeah, I can't tell by you By the much. House of Mouse. <laughs> no, it was, we were asked to um, perform as the Beatles in the movie with the, with the motion capture. 
because the actors that they hired you know weren't musicians they don't even know how to hold a guitar yeah. you know what I mean much less actually move like your beetle so we also auditioned for the acting parts which we didn't get but um, we did get the the musical parts and we filmed all of that it was wonderful at, at one of the sessions they showed us some of the renderings that they had of the Beatles and their faces and everything in, in 3D. It was so cool. And some of the other characters they had. It, it was so cool. It was going to be great. But um, things happen. What I would what give to do? see that footage. Yeah. Not, not, the rending, not the rendering. I mean, you guys in those suits with the tennis ball things attached. The motion well, we have a couple of stills. They didn't really let us film stuff. We have a couple of stills of us in there. In fact, I've found some pictures of me recently where they, you know, they have to cast you as well. They cast your face and um, to put the little, oh yeah, they cast your face so that you can make little, they put the little dots on your face so they can capture your expressions as well. So um, I was, I was holding up my mask that they had of my face, the little rendering they had of it. It was fun. Does that feel a little creepy knowing that Disney has a perfect cast of your face somewhere in bit. storage? They're not the only ones, though. But that's another story. Would, I would that other story be related to Rock Band? Maybe. But on another note, I have Ringo's life cast. A life cast of Ringo's face. How, how did that happen? <laughs> I bought it on eBay. He did it for, I think he did it for Caveman. I want to. I want to say they cast his face for caveman. Maybe they were using some kind of doll or something that was going to fly off a cliff or something. I didn't know he but, did. A fa- I've seen Paul McCartney face masks, and those things are creepy. Yeah, this is. is it was really weird. How, but, how do you um, display that thing? <laughs> or is it just in a closet somewhere so you don't have to look at it? <laughs> what I do is I wear it on my face, and then I like wake my wife up in the morning and look at her with a and then you tell face. her no autographs yeah. and no autographs i'm warning you no with peace and, love. peace and love peace and love um yeah which i think is and the then, biggest yeah. oxymoron of all time warning you with peace and love <laughs> yeah that's crazy but yeah then we did the the rock band stuff as well so we had already had some experience with rock band you, you took the words right out of my mouth the motion capture for for so anytime you're playing rock band that's our movements which is so funny because rollo to me is so recognizable just rollo you know he puts his own spin on yeah. ringo we all do we all do and uh, it's just so funny i when i was talking with artie he mentioned that all of the stuff you see in the game pretty much of the beatles is them or you guys and right. so I went back and I watched uh, a bit of your PBS special. And I'm, I even saw like little things like, what is Artie do, does something with his arm? And then I looked at the rock band stuff and it's like, oh, oh shit, Paul's doing that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was fun. I think we did most of it. I think they called in, well, Danny Harrison. Yeah, I was going to well. say they called in this one other guy from England. Right. Who we met during our um, the Zemeckis um, filming, which is really cool. It's f- so funny. We're sitting there. In walks Danny Harrison and Olivia, and Danny goes straight for our Rocky Stratocaster. You know what I mean? Yeah. He goes. He didn't even say hi. He's like, oh yeah. And then he went right for the guitar. He's like, yeah, that's pretty close. You know. He says, me dad's was a little more orange over here. You know. It was. It was pretty cool. How but, how close uh, did you actually get the Rocky, according to Danny? 
He's, I don't know. He said it was pretty close. I'll take that as a compliment. He picked it up, and that's good enough for me. That is a compliment. Yeah, that was fun. So, speaking of you guys doing other things other than the Fab Four Live show, back in, I want to say, was it 2007 or 2008, you, you got involved with this guy who used to be in a comedy troupe called Monty Python by the name of Eric Idle. I never heard of him either. Where are you getting this info? I have sources. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they they would kill me if I, I said names. They've killed others. That's why I'm one of the only Beatles podcasts. <laughs> Don't fact check me on that. Well, you better stay underground or they're going to come after you because, you know. Why do you think my audience is so small? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good excuse at least. Yeah. It's the Illuminati is going to come get you. At least I could but no, it's, say like, like some a, James Bond organization. Like Blofeld is going to be waiting in my dining room with the cat. Well, hello, Mr. Alexanian. It appears you were talking about rock band. I'm afraid we'll have to so kill ago. you. <laughs> it was so long ago, I don't think anybody cares anymore. Yeah. But I don't even think you were born yet, so don't worry about it. No, I, I was born about 17 minutes ago. Yeah. Mid-interview. Well, you did a lot of research in that 17 minutes. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, I came home from a gig and my wife said that Eric Idle called. So I checked the messages and sure enough, it was him or someone doing a great impression. Yeah. And uh, we talked with him. This was around the anniversary of the Ruddles uh, show. And he, he wanted to put a a show very similar to what we were doing, Beatlemania style, but around the Ruddles called Ruddlemania. I said, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. So I got to be another one of my heroes. You got to be Ron another Nasty. Ron. Yeah, exactly. Ron Nasty. You, you don't even have to change the name. Nope. So that was that was a blast. I think we did uh, two weeks in L.A. and two weeks in New York, and we were going to try to see if we could take it out on tour. But there, there was a lot going on at that time. We had a full full running cast in Vegas and a full touring cast, and uh, it would it would have been a little bit crazy. But we enjoyed it a lot. What I mean, how fun you know was it to be just you know being directed by Eric Idle, and he was so great to work with too. Yeah. Did you ever have moments like looking at him and then in your head you just start reciting Monty Python sketches like, sign them all, sign them all. Not just right, my right. thing. No, what am I? Exactly. It was tough not to, uh, you know, movie quote around him, which I'm sure he would have been flattered by and you know, or just, you know, seeing Dirk McQuickly live, you know, live in person. But uh, he was really great to work with. It's funny working with talented people who, because um, the show, you know, when you're working on a show, it's. You know how it goes. It's half written. Yeah. You're like, yeah, this is the script, but, you know, you just see the light bulb go off in his eyes. He goes, no, no, no. Adi, you stand there. Ron, come over here. Take his hand, and we'll have the dancers come out. You know, and you're like, well, why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. And then you just, you watch the development of this, of this, of his mind, you know, working. And it's, it was, it was, it was great to work with for them. Have you ever done a Fab Four gig? And then everything's normal, but you just slip a Ruddle song in there. <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened. That, I think that's one of the reasons why he got the idea. He'd actually called us earlier to perform at his uh, wedding anniversary. And it was like the star-studded thing. Everyone in the audience was somebody famous. And it was j right after George had just passed away. So I think probably George would have been there. But um, so we figured, well, we're playing Eric Idle's wedding anniversary we have to play a Ruddles song or or three or five yeah 
and we did, and he loved it. And then, of course, I think he thought of it and thought, you know, it's the anniversary of, of the show. Why don't we, why don't we put together uh, a live show um, through it? But I think that's the only time we've ever. Oh, oh, we also did get up and go on Chris Carter's rooftop. Chris Carter had like his birthday his studio party. or his actual roof it, at his house at his rooftop. We had and this a, is, he had a birthday. We're party. talking about breakfast with the Beatles, Chris, breakfast Carter. with the Beatles, Chris Carter. Yep. I, I will and, say just talking about Chris Carter and you guys quick. You have no idea how excited I was when I was listening to the official Beatles channel around Christmas time. And I think a track from the Fab Four Christmas album came on and I thought I was in some sort of like David Lynch a mirror <laughs> Twin Peaks universe. But yeah, he's always been a big fan of ours and we've been a big fan of his, you know. We were there b- before he even got the job because uh, the girl who did it before, Deirdre O'Donoghue, O'Donoghue, she passed away. It was really weird. And then they had to find another uh, another host. So all these, all these hosts auditioning and, uh, he, and of course Chris got the job, but... Um, yeah, so he had us play at his, I think his 50th birthday party. So we got up on his roof and did redid the rooftop for him. And then, of course, in the middle of Get Back, we went in to Get Up and Go, and he loved it. So that <laughs> was pretty cool. Again, I keep rattling on about the Ruddles. What's your favorite Ruddles song? I, I could do an entire Ruddles podcast. <laughs> we might do an entire Ruddles um, I was I was going to suggest that. There's soon. an idea for one of your virtual shows. Yeah, we're just throwing all kinds of ideas around. And though, even though um, we feel fortunate with the Beatles that we're a Beatles band because we can we have 300 songs to choose from, <laughs> you know, as opposed to if you're like a Doors band or something. I mean, you have the hits, and I don't know who would tune in for the rest of the stuff. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I have a feeling you know, we're already... playing Sgt. Pepper in its entirety live or virtually would gather a bigger audience than say playing strange days in its entirety. Yeah. And you know, we have a pretty big following, so we're pretty lucky, but even what are we six months into this thing? Five months into this thing? What thing? Oh (laughs) yeah. And uh, you know, we're starting to run out of songs and not running out of ideas. We're definitely running out of of songs. Like, Oh, we already did that three times. Oh, did we? What you could do is get those Paul Revere and the Raider hats out of storage and just do a Raider set. That will definitely be far down the line somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you get Mark Lindsay to come do a set with us. But Mark Lindsay um, over Zoom, and there's like a four-second delay. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what we're thinking about trying to bring Adam in somehow. It's like, can't we just... It's like, no, there's a delay. It's like, well... Anyway, we're trying to work out some stuff, but... Um, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, doing a Ruddles thing. But maybe, you know, it's it's definitely possible. But my favorite Ruddles song is that I think that was yeah, the question. Yeah, I think so too. I don't remember. I like "Let's Be Natural." I like them all. It's hard. I mean, both are good choices. All of them and "Let's Be Natural." <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's the correct order of things. Oh, is it? Yeah. Did I did I hit another one? Yeah, I the arbitrary list of rankings. I could make a book out of that. It's like, hey, what's the best Beatles album? Revolver. Correct. That's right. Yeah. That is the that is the best Beatles album. How did you know? Well, it's like you could read the que- a sheet of questions in front of me. Or we could. Uh, it's almost rehash- like you've done this interview before. <laughs> we could rehash the questions we did last time. Well, 
we've already rehashed like, most of them. A couple of them, yeah, for sure. Well, technically, we've rehashed Artie's questions. But that's yeah. just kidding. <laughs> so, what... We've already come to the conclusion that Revolver is your favorite Beatle album. What is your that's least right. favorite Beatle album? Um... I think it's Beatles for Sale. Oh. Is that what I said last time? Uh, probably. <laughs> oh, right in my soul. I, I love I'm sorry, because I know you like Beatles 65, but I didn't know that until now. But I, I find myself being a defender of Beatles for Sale more often than not. Especially Mr. Moonlight. I have to defend that song. Okay, actually, I've only had to defend that song about twice, but I keep thinking that it's under fire. Well, that is a, a least favorite of Beatles fans, right? Um, Why? I, I don't awesome. know. There's that cheesy organ cool. solo. Perfect. Yeah, cool little harmonies. John screaming at the beginning. It's it's cool. I like it. Um, but I think that sort of... Maybe I'm not a fan of Beatles 6 more than I'm not a fan of Beatles for Sale, but there's, you know a lot of songs from Beatles 6 on that one. So if you're going to choose a British album, I would choose Beatles for Sale. Maybe with the Beatles too. Too many covers for me. I'm not a big fan of the covers. Really? Yeah. Not a big fan of Beatle covers. What is your... Just, oh, oh. It's just that if I was going to listen to a song, I'd like I'd rather listen to a song they wrote than a song they didn't write, but I mean, sometimes you know, they got not... they got the covers better than the originals in some cases. Oh yeah, like, oh, as yeah. much as a, a Buddy Holly today. fan as I am, I, I yeah. feel like "Words of Love" was almost done a bit better by the Beatles. Yeah, and you know, for most people, um, you know, people were hearing the Beatles version first, especially of that generation. Um, especially "Twist but... and Shout." Yeah, Twist and Shout and a bunch of others, you know. But, yeah. What is your favorite Beatles song? Well, again, that's a tough one. You can pick your top five. Yeah. If if it's a difficult decision. It's, you know, a different song for different reasons. I think In My Life is an amazing song. That is... It, it's not one I often pick, but when I really think about it, that's that's one of the Beatles songs that hits me the deepest. Yeah. Well-crafted and all that stuff. A lot of stuff from Revolver I enjoy. I mean, just the coolness factor of And Your Bird Can Sing. and With the dual guitar harmony thing. Yeah, and just, just the coolness of it is. But, you know, if you're going to put a song in a time capsule, it's not going to be that one. It'd be more like In My Life. Yeah. So you have to think of the different reasons. I mean, there's so much stuff on there. Gosh, uh, for no one, uh, Eleanor Rigby. Uh, eh, you could just go on forever, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. That is two of the songs from Revolver. Again, yep. once again, proving why Revolver is the best Beatle album. Well, yeah, I didn't even. I think it's scientific. I think Taxman is one of. Yeah, I think Taxman is one of George's best songs gets overlooked a little bit to me. Really? Overlooked? I think so. Well, people always think of the later stuff for George because that's when he started writing better stuff. Here Comes the Sun, While My Guitar, something. But I think Taxman is really cool. Makes a cool statement, has that loud, crazy guitar. Yeah. And 
It's the only Beatles song, I think, that name drops British prime ministers. So do with that what you will. Even though one of them wasn't yeah. a prime minister yet, I think. Yeah. You don't even have to respond to these tangents. It's just <laughs> trying to keep up with... I'm just listening. Yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm entertaining, aren't I? Yeah. Not, not plastic EP entertaining, but... Well, you know, you got to yell and put the sunglasses on. Yeah. Then you maybe maybe you get a little more personality into it. You One, know? Once I once I start doing video, if I ever do that, then I'll I'll have to wear the sunglasses. Yeah, and and ask a bunch of non sequiturs. Yeah. Good. <laughs> what is your least favorite Beatles song? Oh well, like I said, I'm not a fan of the covers. <laughs> so first on the cover list is Bad Boy. Hate it. You hate it. Not a. I hate it. Usually guests don't use such strong words when describing Beatles songs, but I respect that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, you asked me. No, I know. I I respect the answer. I have opinions. I'm an opinionated dude. So am I. Uh, Just hearing Lennon say, now Junior, behave yourself is just so awful. I know. Just awful. It's so tacky. It's just, and then I'm not a fan of Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Weren't they I'm both on f- Beatles Six? I think exactly. So now you see you're my preaching to the choir here, buddy. Towards, yeah, my hatred towards the album. Yeah. Now, and, I want to ask, what is in relation to playing these songs live as a Beatle band? What's your favorite song to play live, and your least favorite song to play live? They're all great live, and there's nothing like watching an audience respond to the most well-known Beatles song to the least well-known Beatles song. Um, but, you know, obviously the ones that get people going to us and shout, that's an easy one. But for us, A Day in the Life is pretty epic. Um, is it hard you know, imagine, to do of course, A Day in the Life with Beatles song, all but... the different keyboard parts? Yeah, and that's some of the things I'm proud of. Hey, you got another exclusive. Are you ready for this? I am. I was born I was gonna ready. Cl- I was going to include this in all my podcasts, but we I put that project on the side. I've cannibalized the Fab Four podcast market. You have. You have. You've eaten it up and spit it out. Now all I need is those other guys. But my um, computers, my, well, my sampling system at the time was high tech. We're talking the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking the 90s here, you know, mid to late 90s. And uh, sampling was kind of a weird thing. So instead of getting a synthesized piano, you actually got a piano sound that was sampled from a piano, which is the way everyone does it now. Back then, it was a novelty. Yeah. And so I started making my own sounds using this technology. Now, how familiar are you with with keyboards and sampling? I'm quite familiar. You are? I'm a bit of an enthusiast. So you do you go beyond rock band and some of the other stuff? Yeah, I mean not rock band, a, a, a garage band. Oh yes, and stuff like that. I have so, you know every classic synth you could name. I have a VST recreation in my computer somewhere. Okay, and you do some sampling. Yeah. You use like what kind of program do you use? I mean, I, I'm not. So do you like a main stage or that kind of stuff? I, I'm do not you incredibly sophisticated. So the one I I find going to the most or find myself going to. Is this, is this program called Mixcraft, which is basically, you know, okay. the, D, the DAW for dummies. Sure. Yeah, I mean, whatever works. But you can see you can see how the technology works. Yeah. Someone 
put some sounds together and it takes up some memory. And that's so. how I can appreciate you recording your own samples, especially right. back in the 90s. <laughs> so when I'm on tour, which isn't that much anymore, only the live streams and maybe when this whole thing clears up, I'll do a show or two. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Adam has this full sophisticated sampling system. He's got main stage and a bunch of these other um, custom samples and things that he's worked on along with some stock sounds and some other different things that you can pick up, some nice stock yeah. um, pianos and whatnot. I mean, you don't really need to sample the Mellotrons yourself. It's that, no, that's no. been done. Yeah. Well, yeah, but back then, yeah. <laughs> it was another story. Well, anyway, Roland has a great system. Roland has their S series, <laughs> S's and Sam. So they had S50, S550, I, I was S750. actually going to mention, you said doing it in the 90s, I'm thinking, what, is he, what was he using, like an S50? Yep. So the S50 is where we started. I went to an S550 later, and then uh, I use an S760 and still do to this day. Now, listen, you know our show. You've seen our yeah. show a few times. So on the on that keyboard is, and I'm just going to go down, down the list as I can remember it. Um, in that system, without reloading, in other words, all ready to go on that keyboard on my side is yesterday, so the strings. Um, the strings for yesterday, yes. Uh, uh, the trumpets for, um, uh, or the, the horns for Sergeant Pepper. Um, the piano for um, Little Help for My Friends. Um, the crowd noises for all those songs. Um, let me just, I'm just trying to go through. I don't think Lucy's on there permanently. I have to reload Lucy in. But um, Eleanor Rigby, Strawberry Fields, all the sounds for Strawberry Fields. Um, Actually, you might be a good person to ask because I've never been quite sure how to get that Lucy sound. Cause okay, I, I, I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. Hold on, I'm going somewhere. Though. Okay, don't go down that bunny trail. Don't or I'm worry. Gonna get lost. I, I'm following you you're at gonna, this point. You're gonna lose me. I'm gonna get eaten by a fox or something. <laughs> so, it's uh, where am I at? So strawberries. Yes. Um, yell submarine. Um, the piano and stuff, and then also all the orchestra stuff for A Day in the Life. <laughs> Something. Um, I wish Matthew was here. He'd help me. Obla di obla da. Birthday. Uh, and then all of the end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here comes the sun. Get back. So are you doing like the Billy Preston solo? Mm-hmm. Billy Preston solo. Um, all the string, not strings, um, horns and trumpet solos for Penny Lane. Anyways, all of this is on one disc on my, on my uh, you know, it's one load yeah. for me. Take a guess at how much memory that uses. I have a feeling it's in the gigabytes. Okay. I'm going to say five gigabytes. Five gigs. Uh-huh. Sounds about right. <laughs> I want to tell you something. The entire show, that all those songs that I named, and probably a few that I missed, mm-hmm. including Hey Jude and whatever, you know, the yeah. regular piano sounds and stuff. Total, all of those, is 32 megabytes. What? 32 megabytes. 32 megabytes. Yep. All those sounds you hear from the Fab Four, all those tri- a day in the life, everything you hear coming off my side of the keyboard is in total 
32 megabytes. Wow. So you see how much sampling I had, how much, you know, rigging I had to do to get the sample size down and to do a bunch of other crazy creative things. That's all that, that's all the unit holds is 32 megabytes. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) And then they used to, they used to, I used to load the sounds off of a zip drive. Do you remember what zip drives? I don't think you're even old enough to remember zip drives. A zip drive would hold 100 megabytes. So I could fit like three shows worth of stuff on that zip drive. Oh, in the early days, were you using like a, a, a diskette, floppy disk or something? Yeah, it's, it started with floppies and then through, a, you know, through a, 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 you know, I think it's like a SCSI drive. Yeah. Through a SCSI port, you would get the sounds off of your, your uh, zip drive. And now, of course, we have it all modded to go into a, S, a you know, the micro SD yeah. card. But... And that was a mod that somebody did online. We're like, how how can we do this? And so uh, and still keep the thing going because the unit itself, oh my gosh, it's like it's it's like a monster that thing. You can you can ride that thing forever. It's just it's so reliable, never shuts down, never you know has a problem because it's not compu- it's not computer based. It's <laughs> you know performance based. It's like having a keyboard on your keyboard. So. The sounds are always there. It's 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 been our it's been our workhorse for twenty some years. So that is fantastic. So when Adam came in, he's like, you know, you have a little more memory to work with, Ron. I'm like, uh, yeah, I know, but I don't know how to work that stuff. So he's taken the to an all new level. I mean, his stuff is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So I want to go back down my rabbit hole. How do you okay. get the uh, keyboard sound for Lucy? Well, Lucy's that organ, it's right? That the, they had there. What what the hell's it called? It's a Lowry. Is it Lowry, it's a Lowry or something? Heritage yeah. organ, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. They have a pretty good sample on something called Fab Four Sounds. Oh, I don't know if you've seen that before. That one. Yeah, uh, where they stole my logo. I did Those see bastards. That. Yeah. Although yeah, I, I don't think that company guy. exists anymore. So. Well, good. You I was talking with the guy. And, yeah, I was. <laughs> we we always do. Yeah. But that's the Fab Four legacy. The Fab you can't Four kill us. tagline: We will crush you. It's it's like cockroaches. You can't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> and and so in fact, that should be our name: the cockroaches, the Fab Four cockroaches. But yeah, the guy called me up and he's like, "Hey, you know, can you help me out with this thing? And how do you get your sounds? And I'm making this thing. And can we, you know, if you write a song or something that sounds like Strawberry Fields, can you help out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, send me some stuff or whatever, and I'll work it out. And he sent me a sample of the of his, you know, beta test of it. And I, I, I hooked it up and I thought oh, some of these are pretty good. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was another thing altogether, but we have the, that may actually, he may have gotten away with it because that may have been before we actually got the, um, copyright and trademark for our, our name and logo. So, but now it is all official. So no one can use so it. So don't even try. Don't even don't try. try. You guys, some of you other bands, don't try. Just come up with your own name, please. Yeah. We worked very hard to obtain those licenses. So. Well, I know there's some bands like they it's like, hey, we, we have the Fab Four, but the four is like the number four. Yeah. And it's like, wow, we've been through that. Imitators. You know, some of them. we, Yeah. And some of them we have to stop. We have lawyers and stuff like that yeah. to, to, to work that stuff out. But uh, what was that? But the Lucy sound the lawyers. What's that? What's <laughs> the Lucy sound? I'd rather go back to yeah. that and then talk about lawyers. Um, yeah, I did a little bit where I crossed between a, a, a stock 
Larry um, organ and, and a sample from the record. So that's why it kind of sounds really close like when we do it um, and some of the other samples don't. But it's, it's a very delicate mix that you need to do to get it to sound, you know, authentic. But it's a fun sound to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I spent about three months looking for something that'll get me that sound. And I found some transistor organ thing. And I, I dialed in the sound and I got it. And I was so excited that I, I just played those same opening notes for about two hours. <laughs> you know. Well, that's all you really need is opening, you know, the opening lick. It's just a small lick anyway. The rest of it's a different organ, I think. But, um, yeah, it's such a cool lick. And, uh, yeah, some of those cheaper, you might find, you know, that's I did a lot of that with my 32 megabytes. Just went into, it's like, well, let's just, it, I know it's not this kind of a piano, but let's just check and see if it's, and if it sounded better, I just used it. It doesn't matter to me. No one's looking at, hey, that's not the right one. As long as they're hearing with their ears yeah. and going, oh, that sounds pretty good. That's all that matters. What? They aren't actually touring with a real Vox Continental? <laughs> I boycotted the Fab Four. Oh, my gosh. We tried with the monkeys thing. It was like, well, the monkeys used it. The Beatles used it. The Continental and the Raiders used it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but am I going to travel around with this vintage thing? What if something goes wrong? Who's going to fix it? In, and those things are you know, notoriously it, unreliable. Oh, yeah, exactly. Heavy. And uh, so we had a we had a fake one built, and I just got my Vox sounds, you know, that from the Roland Library, and just hooked them up. Say, well, there it looks like a Vox, sounds like a Vox. Let's go. And and the last thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Fab Four Christmas album because I'm very, very passionate about the Fab Four Christmas album. Is this Fab with the number four? No, it, it's it's guys? the real it's oh, the real Fab oh, Four. Oh, okay, okay, good. Those. Weren't they, wasn't it originally two? They were two CDs, yeah. but now it's one CD. Yeah. Well, this company, Laserlight, that first got in touch with us, they were Do just they like still cheap... exist? No, no, they don't exist uh, anymore. They uh, they got in touch with us. They would have, you know, the Beach Boys Christmas, Elvis Christmas, um, all those, you know, Bing Crosby and all that stuff. And every year they just reissue the same CD, put the tracks in a different order yeah. and, and put a different cover on it and just, you know, sell it for five bucks at the supermarket. I mean, what's which, the saying now? There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. That's there's oh, the example. That, yeah, that was laser light. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they were a fun company. They were really cool, but they were obviously a budget label yeah. and they wanted a budget project so they got what they thought was going to be a cheesy Beatles cover band version of of some Christmas songs they didn't know what to expect and a d- dumbass me I took it seriously and so I just started to you know make some stuff and they were very very happy with it obviously so they wanted to, that was part of the deal well, I'm, I'm really glad you put in all that extra work than was needed because now I'm left with what I think is one of the best Christmas albums of all time or at least one of my oh. favorites like I, I play it oh, about this, I it's in the same rotation as the Phil Spector Christmas album and you guys didn't even wow. shoot a guy that's <laughs> that says a lot well I mean we will if you're going to play it more yeah. <laughs> but it was um, it was quite a challenge that was part of the deal they wanted two separate 10 track cds that they could sell separately and together as a box set <laughs> thinking people but all that i don't i don't i don't have the box set and i only have these two cds like they were trying to get people to buy it over and over <laughs> and so that was kind of that was the Taking deal a page but it was from difficult. the book of apple core 
yeah, yeah. How many re-releases can we can we can we stick in one year? Yeah. But um, and call it a remaster. And we we all still but, buy them. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, my shelf is full, filled with all that stuff. It's like, oh man, but, are they seriously doing another Beatles box? Are you gonna buy it? Well, yeah, I already pre-ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, but are they really doing it? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're all suckers for that. But it was a difficult process. It was, um, you know, because you couldn't. I got home and we start. I started talking it with, talking about it with my family because we didn't. I went to the meeting not knowing what what the record company wanted. And when I came back, I told them what they wanted. They wanted twenty, uh, Beatles Christmas songs. And so my family said, "Well, are you are you talking about something like?" Well, we're talking about toys, yeah, yeah, toys. Santa brings all his toys, yeah, yeah, toys. No, no, that's boys, but you change the words. We would have to pay for the song boys with the changed lyric. You have to make a Christmas song sound like it was done by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't just do the same sort of thing Somehow make Let It Snow sound like eight days a week. Right. Or, you know, people were talking about, why don't you make Let It Snow sound like Let It Be? It's like, well, they're not they're not the same. It's closer to eight days a week than it is to Let It Be. So I thought that would be fun and all. But I don't think I, unless you can, you know, fit us, you know, square into a circle or whatever. Um, I don't know of any way to make that work. So um, that's what I started doing. I, st- I came home and I started um, they gave me a catalog of just a whole bunch of general Christmas song just, just to uh, you know refresh my memory. Oh, it came up on him and that clear. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I started playing that on my guitar. I said, well, that's three four. Sounds a little bit like Babies in Black. So I just wrote down, came up on Midnight Clear, Babies in Black. Then I did another one. Uh, um, uh, what was the one with um, uh, Away in a Manger? Hide your love, hide your, hide your love that's away. That's Away in a Manger, uh, right? Away in the Manger, yes. And so I started doing that. And I was like, well, that's kind of like Hide Your Love Away. I'll just throw, put that one down and wrote it down. And so it was like, it was just trying to get some of these things together. And once we got the hang of it, we really started really started getting in a groove. I mean, my my I personal played, favorite of that album is the Jingle Bells, but it's Tomorrow Never yes. Knows. Which yeah, I think yeah, is yeah. the most genius combination of things ever conceived of. <laughs> It was funny because that was kind of Rollo's idea. I said, you know, we need a Tomorrow Never Knows. And he says, why not make, you know, the most known Christmas song with the least known or the weirdest Beatles song? Oh, I that. let's let's see if it works. You know? I, I, so. Do you know why it's my favorite? Because at the end of the song, you, you snap out of Jingle Bells and then it's just it is snowing. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. We, we we all had some some input, obviously, and tried to to make it as best as we could. And some people were thinking of things on the spot, like yes, yes, let's do that. Um, let's change it around here and put a little bit of little child in the middle of um, what's that one? Uh, the please please me uh, one. Joy to the world. Uh, joy to the world. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of cool. Joy to the world. You know, baby Jesus, little child. I don't know if people got that, yeah. but. It was it was still kind of fun just to throw all those things in. It was a blast. I'm I'm glad we did it. I want to release it on vinyl and just every I, year we try to do I it on, will on, buy on that. vinyl. I will buy it. Yeah, every time we try to do it. Well, last time we tried to do it, they said that all the vinyl pressing plants were all like full. We couldn't get any vinyl pressed for Christmas. So maybe if we do it now, what is it? August? Yeah. Oh man, this is it's almost getting too close again. But I'll call the guy and see if we can do it. I think if that would be do, fun. If you do, please send me an email and I will be the first 
to <laughs> pre-order. We'll send you one. We'll send you one for uh No, for please being our, please our let me one fan. please let me pay. See, that's <laughs> how you know I'm the number one fan. We ha- we still have um I want to say four or five Christmas songs still in the can. Cuz you oh. know we released those two extra ones on the new one, Hark. We put um, two extra ones, yeah. so it's Let It and Be. The and Lady Madonna one. Lady Madonna, yeah. Sleigh Bells. Yeah. And so um, those were done later after the whole thing was way over mm-hmm. with. Probably 10 years later or something. I don't remember oh, how wow. long ago it was. But these things have been in the can for a long time. It, just as, you know, Rollo laid down his drum track. And then we said, yeah, we'll finish the, the rest later. So we've got like four or five drum tracks just sitting there. Well, I was thinking... Like, there's some conspicuous absences. I, I can't think of them off the top of my head. And I'm thinking, they could easily do another... They could do another album of those. And hmm. apparently they have. Or at least have well, some bits in the can. Yeah, probably not enough for a full album, but maybe enough to make... To, like, put it back to a double album if we, if we spread it around right. But it was just... It, it, it wasn't so much... You know, I would have loved to have done one to Twist and Shout. I just couldn't find one. Mm-hmm. I just could not find a song that fits that same uh, arrangement. And so uh, we just did them as they came to us. So where it turned out we had Mr. Moonlight, but not yeah. <laughs> but not Twist and Shout, you know. so There's, You guys are part of a subgenre that, according to all laws of reality, shouldn't exist. Uh, Beatles <laughs> Christmas music. And there's at least three albums that I can think of. You predate one of them, but one of them predates you, weirdly enough. Yeah. I want to ask, did you know about that one? Because I think those guys were like Denmark or some. Yes, yes. The Beat Miss. We knew about that one. My brother played me that one um, a long, long time ago. I thought, well, it's kind of clever and it's kind of going somewhere. But I thought they kind of like didn't finish them out as far as I was concerned. Like... Some of the matches weren't quite matches, like, you know, uh, like uh, I think they did Rudolph to one, and I was like, mm. Rudolph was, ta- for, I think, Taxman. Okay, yeah, it worked for about a verse. Yeah. And they were like, mm, they should have chose something else. And I remember hearing, uh, I think it's their No Reply, which was Felice Navidad, yeah. and I thought, that should have been And I Love Her. Like, right away, I thought, no, this fits way better with And I Love Her. Anyway, so uh, I did know about that one, and then there was a couple that came out after us, which were... I liked the guitar one. I can't remember. The guitar one was like Sgt. Pepper or something. Sgt. Pepper Christmas Beatles or something. But it was just... It was instrumental, but it was guitar. Mm -hmm. That that one was really good. There was... My final proper question before we go into all the plugging. Um, How did you guys end up in an episode of House? The... The... (laughs) What was the one? Little Drummer Boy? But it was Sun yes. King? Yeah. How, how did that end up in house? We, <laughs> we paid the guy. Yeah. No. Um, Checks in the mail. Just like anything else. Yep. Payola works every time. That, a hooker, and, you know, and a sports car usually works. We, we only have but, topical references here on Fans on the Run, like Paul yeah. Revere and the Raiders and Payola. <laughs> But uh, no, our, our manager just called and said, hey, they're looking for, a, a, you know, to use your Christmas song in, uh, in, in a TV 
um, you know, um, episode. And man, that's what I, I got to tell you, between me and you and and the, the other three listeners yeah. that you have, we uh, that's where you make the money, man. Yeah. If you can get your money on a TV show or in, I so, mean, we'd are, it, would are, it was already pre-recorded. Especially they one only like House, intro. which I think yeah, is still I mean, in syndication. Yes, yes. And it was, uh, you know, they paid us real well for it. And uh, Or you can get your song in a, in a movie like the Raiders did with, uh, with the Tarantino film. They have three or four Paul Revere and the Raiders songs in that film. I know that did real well for them, so... But that's that's where you make the money, man. But that was that was just it. They wanted to use some, and of course we said yes. And uh, we looked at the check and said, yeah, of course, yeah. You want to use another one? Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let us know. Let us know. Let us know. Ba-da-ts. One last <laughs> thing before the plugging. It's not a question. It's more of a comment. Uh, you brought up Tarantino, and of course I'm legally obligated to mention the band Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch, at least once per episode. Oh, there you go. They okay. were featured well, in a in a Tarantino movie, which I feel is so weird because no one ever plays Dave D. Dozy Beaky Mick and Titch. Well, there you go. You, if you have to put it in every episode, I'm I I feel good. I feel good about it. You're in good company with Dave D. Dozy Beaky Mick and Titch. I love it. And now here's my favorite part of the show, Ron. What do you want to plug? Keep in mind when this episode goes up, it will be August twenty eighth. So, it's 28th. Well, well, if we're not dead by then, yeah, I'd like to say watch another one of our streams. Hopefully, we're doing that. And if we're not doing that, hopefully, you're coming to one of our shows. Um, huh? you know, the fatboard.com. If you're is in our, California, yeah. go to one of their drive in shows. Hon- <laughs> yeah, honk your fun. horn. What was it like playing <laughs> to a sea of Honda Civics? Oh, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. It's like being in the movie Cars. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was it was like, you know, radiator springs all over again. I, was, I have uh, too many theories about that movie that I will say for another podcast. Yeah, Why do they like have doors? Episode. Why do they have doors on those cars? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. And who's actually driving? I guess they just look yeah. and go. No steering wheel. But it was it was bizarre. We, we the first song, first show. You know, they started honking instead of clapping, and you could physically hear all of us <laughs> laughing our asses off. It was so bizarre. <laughs> we just, you know, we haven't played together in 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 months, or you know, for me, it'd been longer than that since I've been with the guy with Ro- with the guys, and with Rolo, it was even longer because yeah. he hadn't been playing for a long. time. He's our lighting guy, you know, and uh, it was just bizarre. We were just laughing, but. It was cool, and it was you know cool to get out, and I think people really appreciated it. And then we're doing another show. Let's see, you said the twenty eighth. I think it's next month. I could be wrong. I don't have the information in front of me, but um, we're doing a show in Utah at the Tuacon Theater, which is a beautiful outdoor kind of uh, Greek theater style thing. And I'm sure they're going to do their social distancing there. But um, there's some shows are starting to come back, and um, hopefully we we get this thing worked out and. Get back to uh, get back to work. I know it's it feels it feels funny. And a lot of these guys they'll do like you know you'll see, you know Green Day or somebody, doing something and it's cool. just like yeah they're <laughs> they're doing it for free because they're they're millionaires. Yeah, they're you know Green we're, Day. we're a working. Yeah, we're we're a working band. Yes, we have an Emmy. Yeah. But I mean we're a, we're still a working band. We're basically just a glorified garage band. 
you know, doing our thing, playing the playing the music we love. But we don't have, you know, gold records or or, you know, anything. I will like mail that. So you a need... gold record for the Christmas album. I'll, oh, I'll make it you. myself. <laughs> you know what I thought would be cool is if they had a Christmas Grammy, but they don't. No, there's no Christmas category. Little, I mean, there's like a religious category, yeah. but there's no Christmas Christmas. What would it be category. like a little golden Christmas tree? But where would I'll take I'll yeah. take anything. If it's a yeah. Grammy, I'll take it'll, it. It'll go nice next to your Emmy. Yeah, it was so funny being a a musician, always hoping to win a Grammy, and you have an Emmy instead. But I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm not you, complaining. You I'll take a Tony and a, the Emmy yeah. Award winning Fab Four. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll be the first Beatles tribute band to get EGOT. Yeah, we'd love to do that. We'd love to get, uh, I'd like to get a Nobel Prize too, but yeah. uh, that's so- something for another podcast. Yeah. So now I'm going to try and plug myself, which I'm still relatively new at trying to plug myself. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Please like the video. Please leave a comment telling me what you think, what you think of uh, Ron's pray off idea. I want to hear some <laughs> feedback on that. Uh the show is available to stream on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere a good podcast can be heard. So stream me there. I want to try and start raking in some money from this thing so I can pay off that Fab Four Christmas vinyl when it eventually comes <laughs> out. Or at least break even on the Podbean subscription. <laughs> but Ron, thank you so much for going on the show. Don't go anywhere actually but everyone else out there thank you for listening to the show it's been awesome you can go home now Bands on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander additional voiceovers by Richard Fulton this has been a Showtown production